management, over management, under management, micromanagement. It comes in all forms. And the more that we become a globalized society, even from the small law firm perspective, the more we have different options from outsourcing to automation to part-time, whatever that is. That's why I'm super excited to talk to Lori Gonzalez today from Rena Corp. Uh, I assume all of you know her. If you don't, though, she's got years of experience helping law firms improve their business and expand their services with technology and improvements to processes and procedures. Lori lends her expertise to legal tech companies to beta test and improve regularly and improve regular tech products aimed at improving the legal industry. She helps law firms test, implement, and train staff on legal tech and efficiency methods to improve growth and productivity. For, she's a frequent speaker at state and local bar associations and presents at national conferences. If that's not enough, she's an access to justice advocate and legal tech enthusiast who shares her knowledge with nonprofit organizations and committees who seek to advance the practice of law or improve access to justice through automation and tech solutions. Her service includes the Tennessee Access for Justice Commission's Pro Bono Committee, an organizer of the Music City Legal Hackers and creating new tools for access to justice with Code for America's Nashville Brigade. She served on the State Bar of California's Access Through Innovation of Legal Services Task Force and the advisory board for the University of Las Vegas William S. Boyd School of Law's Tech and Innovation Initiative. Her current service includes the 2022 ABA Tech Show Board. Is that 2023? No, I actually bowed out. So I'm realizing oh. that that's a really long bio and you can stop soon and we can, I need to, that needs to be shorter. <laughs> There's only one more sentence. I want to make sure we highlight it because it's recent awards, including recognition from Women of Legal Tech and ABA Legal Rebel. Lori Gonzalez, so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I might be the only person who's gotten both of those awards. So, and I got them in the same year. So that was that was a fun fun year. It was a, I was gone a lot. Gone a lot. There we go. Yeah. Hey, all that time spent accepting awards all around the country. <laughs> Yeah. And for boring data entry, right? That's the secret. It's boring data entry at the heart of everything that I talk about. But if you can do it consistently <laughs> and correctly, the way where, you know, other people want to join the team and participate, that's how things grow, right? Like information from point A to point B, as we exactly. uh, handle these cases and walk clients through the system. So I'm super excited to dive in um, of these specifics. I'm super excited to hear about the 30 day work week that y'all mm -hmm. implemented. Yes. But before we get into that, I want to talk about our last episode. The last episode, I'll go on record, one of my favorite, we had Liz Wendling on, the three secrets to convert more consults into clients. Mm -hmm. And if you want to see me just crack up for like the majority of uh, a 60 minute conversation in a way that makes sense because Liz and I are on the same page and how you should convert more consults into clients, you got to check out this episode. It was great, but don't do that now because <laughs> we've got Lori live to talk about how we manage processes and people from outsourcing to automation. So I, um, I'm, first of all, I'm excited. I love watching your travels and you remind me why I've spent so much time playing with boring data entry because I also love to travel. So like I'm trying to be you when I grow up. Uh, although I've hit some good some good places this year. So yeah, um, listen, I've never won the Women in Legal Tech Awards. So you're <laughs> that's right. We we've all got our things. Um, I I'll say we my experience. A lot of people don't know is I worked as a small firm paralegal in boutique law firms for about 20 years, and so I wore all the hats. I did all the things, and now the company that I run does nothing but medical record retrieval for personal injury firms. 
And it's a little, it still blows my mind that there's a whole industry dedicated to providing med records for personal injury firms when I actually used to be a personal injury paralegal, right? So I understand all those pieces, uh, but that's how much room there is to improve operations and legal, right? Is that we can outsource a whole boring, often overlooked piece and turn it into a whole company. And actually there's several amazing companies out doing this. So hold on, hold um, on. I got I gotta jump in because you're so underselling yourself. Look, I know that what Lori is telling you is that's all they do. The reason that she's here is because that's not all they do. Because a huge component of this is really building that process and procedure and that system so this gets done quickly and efficiently and smoothly. Yes. And actually not taking any of the things I learned, I love all my former employers, by the way, I doubt any of them are watching. If you are, I still love you, but also I don't do any of the things you taught me. None, zero. Um, I went outside of legal and spent a lot of time looking at the tech industry and HR and all the places where they're doing cool things. Uh, Silicon Valley is a place where they love to do cool things like 30 hour work weeks. So I did a ton of research because my team really is nothing but boring data entry. It's very tedious, very time consuming. Um, we do a ton of data tracking and things like that. But I realized we were working harder than I thought we needed to. Uh, eight hours of just data entry will make you go blind. And, you know, we spent two hours a day complaining in Slack um, about whatever we could think of, right? So. As I looked at the research and we started thinking through this, I talked through my team, um, what if we gave you two hours a day back? And actually we started out with, let's reduce our work schedule. And I think this is important for your listeners because we are such an overworked industry. Legal is known for workaholics, type A personalities. I'm a former workaholic, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. But the data suggests that actually working less can make you better. So I wanted to test this and that started with talking to my team. Hey guys, what if we reduce work hours, but we pay you the same? And of course, exactly what you would imagine. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, everybody was like, no, please don't do that. Um, but the trick was, we're gonna try this. We're gonna experiment. We're gonna have some parameters. And we're going to have some accountability. We're going to have some expectations. So the first um, thing I learned along the process was I expected everybody would want to work four-day weeks. I thought people would want to work Monday through Thursday or Tuesday through Friday. I was a little overwhelmed at the thought of managing a small team kind of taking off different days. Uh, but it turns out the team actually really wanted to work five, six-hour days. Uh, which worked out way better from a scheduling perspective. So letting the team weigh in on how we did it was instant buy-in. Uh, we, I was, and actually got us a better result. So step one, talk to your team. Like, don't assume because I was ready to make that assumption. Um, we decided to launch it January 1 of 2020, uh, ironically. Had nothing to do. Obviously, this was pre, you know, major COVID. Uh, and the deal was, I'm going to give you two hours of your life back. You're going to give me the best six hours of work you've got. So there's no time for Slack messages complaining, right? Because we just cut out those two hours. Uh, and I and I need you at your best. I don't want the tired version of you. I don't want the overworked version of you. Um, we went to unlimited PTO at the same time. 
So if you're sick, don't show up because six hours of terrible work actually leads to more work later on to correct all your mistakes. Plus you get everybody else sick too. So like sharing is caring. Except for well, we're all remote. So, you know, oh. so far no one's tried the, you know, Sherelle in Louisiana gave me COVID in Tennessee, but I mean, I might try that. Um, no one's tried that one yet. Um, and so we just jumped in and we tried it out. Uh, it was easy to track our revenue. We're transactional, so we're per request. So we track how many requests go out and how often and every week. And we share that as a team and had been already. So we had lots of key performance indicators we already tracked. And what we found very quickly is our team was doing the same amount of work with less mistakes with 10 hours less per person. And there were six of us on the team at the time. So um, we're actually reduced our workforce now. Like we kept people on until it was time to phase some of them out. And we're starting to finally grow again after some slowdown for COVID. Obviously, personal injury firms got hit with those things. Um, but it has worked so well, I can't imagine ever going back to a 40-hour work week. And even through COVID and all those challenges, through the current market where no one can find help, I'm never worried about finding help as we need it. Um, people are very happy to come on board and get paid for 40 and work 30. So we've, it's been phenomenal. Uh, and I would say the only lesson I learned is not to make assumptions about my team and regular reminders. This is your best six hours, y'all. So, you know, people get data entries boring. I don't care how hard you try to make it better. It's still boring. So just reminding people, it's boring. Bring your best boring time. See, and it's so interesting because like, so my kid's four and a half. So he'll go into kindergarten next school year. And like my wife and I are like, how did, not in a judgmental way, we're genuinely like, how do people do this? Like if your kid's in school mm -hmm. from whatever it is, eight to two, like how do you work a nine to five? Like it just doesn't make sense. So by cutting back on two of those hours, you probably have a lot easier time with people um, finding childcare or not needing childcare and going through all those things. It's very interesting. We talked about, uh, you posted the other day uh, something, there was a question about your favorite quote or the thing that matters the most. I don't remember your wording, but it was a great question. And I threw down, people always matter. People always come first for us, the people that we work with, the people that are on our team, and even the you know, terrible providers who don't want to give us their records and bills, like they matter too, because they're overwhelmed and they can't find help and they need help. So just remembering that, that you can provide a really great place to work. And I think as I was a single mom for a long time, I worked for firms that had me working salary for 70 hours, you know, I went through all those same things. I couldn't, finding daycare was hard. Being sick was hard. I couldn't be sick because my kid was going to be sick and I only had six, six days. Like all those things made working in this industry really difficult for me. And being able to build a place that people want to work means I'm getting really great talent. And I really am really, really dedicated to helping lawyers and law firms start thinking about that. Uh, there are a ton of paralegals who've moved out of actually have moved out of the space. Either they've started their own businesses or honestly, they've just went to corporate where they can get out and move completely away from the standard legal practice because it's a really tough industry. And I love this industry despite all of those things. So helping us get back to where we can keep that really great talent and, and all not work as hard is like my dream. 
Well, and it's always, it's always interesting to me to see like all the studies about the lost productivity as you have turnover. And so you're, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, we do the, the three to 6% raise stuff, but then if somebody leaves somewhere else, they're going to get like 20 to 50% higher. And so you're talking about cutting the hours, but like, if you lost somebody that might cost you 50 to, you know, hundred percent of their job between um, fees for, you know, finding a headhunter and going and all the time mm-hmm. spent doing the interviewing and bringing the person up to speed and it, adding them to all your benefits packages and getting them up to speed and then actually having them do the work and make sure they're as good. So it's like crazy to me to see why we're trying to churn through our employees, knowing that has such a detriment to our businesses. And I'll, I'll share, you know, I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups, you know, around everything related to the legal industry. And there was this, I think, um, besides COVID affecting every industry in every way possible, we also, as an industry, really focused on, like, our lawyer needs and not on our staff needs. And I think we're seeing the result now. Um, you know, I, I'm there. It is definitely employees market. Uh, and I don't want to be discouraging, but it's just very hard to for me, when people ask me, I get, I'm, I mentor lots of paralegals. It's hard to watch paralegals talking about jobs where they're offering 10, 12, even $15 an hour, but there's no benefits. There's all these expectations. And then these pages are just rife with, with sort of mistreatment by other paralegals and other staff and the lawyers themselves. And so I think the whole point of everything that I've tried to do with mine is to remember ultimately, like, I want to work here. I want to build a place where I want to work. And I think if everyone who's building a firm starts there, let me build a place that I would want to work as every one of my employees, right? I think if you start building, whether it's benefit packages or whether it's actually the technology you're building, right? We tend to focus on our own needs. And even in building technology and software, uh, document automation, one of the lowest hanging fruits across the board. We all recognize it. We all know it. I'm always shocked at how lawyers start with like complaints and motions for summary judgment and all these really complicated documents that they do but that they do in low volume in comparison to letters to clerks, right? Notices of hearing. If you actually change your mind shift to think in volume, which is what we have to do, you suddenly realize like, oh, well, I might hate this part of the job, but I do the least amount of work. If I'm doing things right, right, Jordan, like the reason you're traveling, if you're doing it right, you're doing the least amount of work. Uh, I should be focused. And if you're still trying to get to the least amount of work, you have to focus on volume and that's often not what you're doing. So building for your team first, building for your team always, that's the secret I think to truly improving efficiency and productivity across the board, like in, like in huge volumes for every firm, no matter what. And pro 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 tip, because I, I can take no credit for this. Thankfully, one of my employees is smart enough to ask for a stamp with our address or address labels. Mm. They're like, oh, because for every certified letter, I've got it here, I've got it on the slip, I've got it on that. So we figured, you know, they, the, one of our employees figured out that they were filling this out like 15 times a day. And so even if it's only 10 or 15 seconds, it adds up. And now it's like, boop, stamp, stamp, stamp. So, you know, a 10 second savings times however many things overall, like it was so crazy. And I've never used an address stamp in my life. So I would have no <laughs> frame. But the minute they finished, she said it, I was like, 
that makes so much sense. Yes, it's it's so, on its own. I can do pro 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 tip for certified yep. mail return receipt because I've done a, a an unimaginable amount uh, when we did construction law. Clear labels, you can also just, if you don't have a stamp, print out clear labels, and you can use clear labels when you have to add the to address on everything, because you got to put on the envelope, you got to put on the green card, so you can actually use clear labels to minimize the handwriting, but the pro, 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 pro tip is you can use a product called Case Mail, C-A-S-E, Case Mail, all one word. They're an online um mail processing for outgoing mail mail processing service they're recognized by the federal administrative office of the courts as a bankruptcy notice provider so they're completely legit and for almost the same price as what you're paying to get it to the post office you can just upload your document and they will certify mail return receipt it for you and then send you back an affidavit with a picture of the green card that you can just boop attach to your filing if you're having to file it with the court so it does for physical mailing what faxing e-faxing did for physical faxing and there's a couple other products out there we've just we've used case mail forever but there's a couple of great products uh, we pay for the mail that we send out, so we have a small fee we charge of like $35 an item, and if we have to mail something, we eat the cost of mailing, and the wow. reason I tell people that is we actually pay them to mail our regular mail as well. It's about $1.35 for a two-page, three-page document, but the amount of labor I save and ink and paper and the printer not working, right, because it's not necessarily the licking of the envelope, which is also terrible. But it's when the printer goes down or the paper runs out or you didn't get somebody's supplies or someone's in a different state and they have to stop and go and grab paper. We have just in huge volumes gotten back the labor we were paying by literally outsourcing our mail. So we are an outsourced company that outsources our mail. Um, I love it. All right, Leon and Andrew, we're going to talk about this next week. This will be our, uh, let's see how much time we can save you. Case mail, I love it. Definitely worth checking out. And uh, if you're doing incoming mail, we use Earth Class Mail. So we actually have an incoming mail service for scanning. Again, we're an outsource group and we work because we outsource all the pieces that we don't want to be good at. Notice I didn't say we're not good at. I said we don't want to be good at because, you know, some people want to be good at mail. We don't. I love it. Well, and that's like the economies of scale of all this, right? Like if you've got a firm that's requesting medical records 100 times a week, as opposed to using you all who are requesting it thousands of times every week, like you pick up some tips and tricks and some extra stuff and you relationships, live you create relationships. So, and, but probably the biggest, um, and one of the places I think firms, whether you're doing med records or whether you're dealing with adjusters, whatever contact information you're having, uh, it's also all about the database. Clearly, I'm a complete geek and nerd. This is why I spend all my time in legal tech, because I am a nerd and I love this stuff. But databases are so important. And building relational databases, instead of just adding a contact card in your case management system, you know, they all have pretty decent contact management. Some have better than others. Um, being able to really make sure that information is correct and updated and not duplicative, those are going to go a long way to helping your new people not get confused and send things out incorrectly. So database management is another big piece for us. So I want to go um, a little bit uh, higher level on this, broad on this, mm -hmm. I don't know. So we're talking about, you know, this, this managing people and processes, 
from an automation standpoint, from a delegation, from an outsourcing standpoint, for that firm owner who's struggling with what to do first, Mm. what's the guidance? Like if they're right now a true solo working 80 hours a week, making no money, where do they start or what questions do they ask themselves to figure out where to start? So I think there's a couple of good answers there. One, as, as minor and silly as this might sound, put just put a nice little scribble pad next to your desk and write down the tasks that are sucking the life out of you. Like literally track it in some form for two weeks or maybe a month because our brains lie to us all the time and you're going to spend two hours on something you really hate and then you're going to go buy technology to fix that thing. But maybe you only spent two hours in a whole month. But there were a thousand other tasks that you spent a lot more time on. So I think one is just get real about finding a way to track what is causing you the most angst and what is taking the most volume. E-filing. E-filing. I hate it. And so full, uh, full story, I started out as a prosecutor. And I thought that we had e-filing integrated into our case management system because like, it would just do it. So when I left, I was like, oh, cool. There's all these programs that do e-filing. No, no, no. That just yeah. went to somebody else at the office who then mm-hmm. filled out the 27 check marks to e-file everything on every case for all of our things. And it brought me so much distress because one, I never thanked that person. I didn't know they existed <laughs> on a computer program. Yeah. And two, well, now I can just, you know, buy one of these things to do it for me. And I had to learn how to e-file and it was, it it went fine, thankfully, eventually. That's such a great story though. That highlights, right? What I think a lot of people experience when they move or they start their own firm. All the things that they thought were going to be easy or happens, magic, you know, we're part of an automated system. It is shocking how little is automated in our system. Uh, Legal tech has a problem with scaling in this industry, not because the technology doesn't exist, not because the brains aren't there to build it, because there is nothing systemized in a scalable way in our current legal industry. The courts aren't systemized. You're not dealing with the same case management systems. Everybody's got their own rules. Like, so when you understand that at the very high level, then you understand people are always required in this industry to maneuver through those things. And learning how to build a system that people can plug into to do those things. For me, if I had that problem, while I'm learning how to e-file, I'm also building some great Loom videos on how to do it. I'm building a little Trello card on the five tips and tricks, and I'm attaching the video link. And I'm making sure that there's an easy reference point back for everybody I have to teach moving forward, because I don't want to do that work, right? Like, I don't want to keep doing that. And <laughs> I'll echo what Lori said, because I 100, I 1,000% agree. I love the, like, screen record yourself doing it. Now you've got it. Drive people to it. And then you know, you circle back every so often, because I promise you, your best staff members will find a better way to do so many of the things. So many. And if you're really, if you're really intent on rebuilding or redoing your training, um, teach someone how to do it, and then let them do the Loom video and do the tips. And then you review it, right? You learn what you forgot to teach them, and they teach you some things you didn't know. So it's always such a great way to get that in there. Um, And so I think just going back to remembering where is the volume work you're doing if you're trying to delegate or outsource. Um, And for me, it's the scale is volume, right? And like, 
how much it makes me hate my job, right? Sometimes it's okay to automate something that's less volume if it's literally causing brain block and you just can't, you can't do this anymore. But you really want to focus on volume a little bit more, right? What's clear is every decent research report and trends report that exists in this industry, which aren't that many, say admin work is where we're losing time. Lawyers don't bill enough because they're spending six and a half or more hours a day doing administrative work. So if you're paying attention to any of that, it is all administrative work. It is all correspondence, it's letters, it's faxing, it's mailing, it's automation in your documents, it's your case management system, it's your billing processes. Um, little known fact, we started out as a legal billing company. That is a terrible business model and no one should ever build that company ever again. Um, and we don't do that anymore <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> it's a terrible business model. <laughs> I'm curious if we need to go further into that story or if we uh, the iceberg was sufficient. Uh, I'll just say that lawyers don't value the expertise it needs to fix their broken billing systems enough to pay what it costs to do that work. So you're either doing too much for too little or you can't find any clients. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'll share, I felt like a failure for a while over that because I was really intent on that. And then I did some consulting work with PwC who also could not do it at the price point I was doing it. So I felt like if one of the big four accounting firms failed at it, I was doing okay then if I failed at it. So there we go. Um, um, wait, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, make sure we go, uh, got some clarification. When yes. you talk weighing the things that have the most volume, are we talking the things that happen the most, the things that save the most time, a combination of those things? Like what is volume? So my, I think that's a really good question. And I think the answer is yes, right? Both. But I would say just from my own experience, often the volume is the things that happen the most. That's where you can get the biggest impact and usually at the cheapest cost and the least amount of implementation, right? So when we think volume of minor tasks, things like, have you automated every court clerk letter that you need to send out? Have you automated your simplest of simple motions and notices? Have you automated or outsourced processes that you don't need to handle in-house? Like, are you still depositing checks? Are you still driving to the bank to deposit checks? By the way, the same mailing service that will scan in your incoming mail will also deposit your checks for you. And so it Wait, is those I, kind of things. Yes. So my first real job, I worked at a flower store. I would load and unload the trucks and then they made me a manager like right before I went off to college. So Mother's Day and Valentine's Day, <laughs> I had the bank deposit once. And so when I tell you like we would do yeah. <laughs> a million dollars that day, like so there's this bank deposit of checks yeah. and cash. And here I am at 17 driving my car to the bank and i was like every other car I'm like they're gonna murder me they're, they're gonna, gonna murder me. you oh my god um so on top of that like you know not having the pressure of messing up the check you also have the speed in uh experience. and just the um i'll share like my first paralegal job i remember i'd been there maybe four weeks and i got called into the you know one of the two partners and I got about a 45 minute lecture on how important trust accounts were. 
because a check that was meant for trust had been deposited in the operating account. And it, this was a really, like, I was just wanting to melt in my seat. I, I was like, I hope I don't get fired. I felt terrible. I, it was this whole terrible, like, okay, I deserve this. And I said, can I please see it? Because obviously, you know, I want to fix it. And I took one look and I was like, this was two weeks before I started. Um, so it wasn't me that did it. It was actually him, the guy who had given me the 45 minute lecture on Jerry, I am going to say that's you, you know, that was you. Also, I forgive you and you're still amazing. Um, what that was, was a reminder of the guy whose license was on the line made a really simple error because it everybody does it. We're all human. And so I think the other thing is like recognizing one of the reasons we automate is not just for efficiency, but it's also to reduce typos. We only do to data entry. You know how easy it is to transpose a date of birth? Super easy. You know how much money we lose if we do that regularly? Like tons and we go out of business. So we don't type in dates of birth. We make sure it's automated so that we aren't typing those same kinds of information over and over again. Putting it in the wrong account, super easy to do, especially when you're in a rush and you got to get to the bank and you got to file this thing. These were back in the old days when you used to drop the filings in the courthouse Dropbox. And as long as it got there before, like, you know, the next morning at eight, it still counted for the previous day. So way before e-filing. Um, I think when you're thinking about what you can do, is make sure you're also being aware of things like bank deposits, right? That well, that I've had lawyers say, but I like doing that. That's cool. I want you to do the things you like to do, unless it's causing you to completely miss out on not working as much. Like, do you really want to do bank deposits or are you doing it to avoid the other work you don't want to do, right? And if someone else does that and you can get through the other work, then you can just go home and not work, which is actually my plan. I I said my dream was to like fix the legal issue. My real plan is to spend all my time in Belize and maybe Bali, right? Um, not working. That's the real plan. So, you know, they yeah. say Tennessee is the Bali of the United States. Yeah, uh, that's a lie. Also, I left there because that's a really big lie. And I'm in Alabama now, oh. <laughs> which, which is the same. It's also the same. Um, it looks exactly the same, pretty much. <laughs> so I, having never been to Alabama prior to this trip, I had no idea there were mountains in Alabama. Like there are parts oh, of yes. so gorgeous. Like what you said is totally true. Like in terms of the mountainous area of Tennessee, yeah. the mountainous area of Alabama, I had no idea until same. a year ago at this point. Uh, but it was funny. You mentioned the, uh, the date of birth thing. I wanted to highlight this because I spoke to a firm owner who thought they had the system figured out on their medical request by utilizing some offshore help, except apparently everybody except America does dates totally different. Yes. The day and then the month and then the year, which in theory makes sense because it goes yeah. like small to bigger. We, as you know, do everything differently, like the yes. empirical system versus metric and whatever and Fahrenheit. But this one screwed up everything that that I am hyperventilating thinking about this because we yeah. actually, um, we, we experimented with offshore as well, even outsourcing our outsource piece, right? Because, you know, we love outsourcing. Um, I do find that there's, there's some amazing companies doing offshore work. So I, I definitely say, but that's a perfect way to highlight how important it is during like one, I would say experiment 
Uh, if you're going to outsource, don't just drop everything into their laps, no matter how great they seem, unless you have someone telling you, I've been using them for 12 years and they're fantastic. And, and you ask the question, was there anything you had to learn along the way, right? Unless you have that kind of relationship, uh, we're big on experimentation. So I teach my team all the time, hey, let's try something different, but I need to know you're doing it different. If it's outside your normal process, it's outside the norm of what you've been doing, then it's a controlled experiment. So if they had tried that, you know, with maybe 20 cases or 10 cases, they would have figured that out pretty quickly. Uh, and so it's a good reminder, test it, and asking all the questions, going through a set together. Uh, I think we always are, I, it happens to me too. I'm busy, I'm struggle busing, I'm just gonna pass this off to someone else because I need help now, right? But if you're not involved in that passing off process, if you're not actively, regularly involved and understanding that it's going to cost you more time until they learn it, no matter who they are, then I think you end up with those. So, oh, I'm, I wanna hyperventilate at the thought of that, honestly. Wait, to jump off of that last point though, the other thing that I hear so much from lawyers, I'm too busy to have the time to automate this, delegate it, hire somebody and train them, whatever. And like, it just, can you speak to that for me? Cause like, I know my input, but. Yeah, I, so I both sympathize and empathize with that statement a thousand percent. So uh, step one is the first thing I always say is, so is there going to be a better time? Do you plan on getting rid of clients? Do you plan on, lessening your workload? Are you going to take less cases? What are you going to do to make time for this? And no one ever says, oh yeah, I'm about to, you know, give up a third of my cases. They all look at me, they're like, well, I'm not going to do any of that. Okay, well, you're not going to get less busy then. And so as facetious as it is, it doesn't matter if you don't have the time, you're going to have to make the time. And I think when, when you understand the priority is this is the priority. I'm going to delegate this time. You know, if that means working some extra weekends, which I hate suggesting, you have to. And if you're already working those weekends, then you are going to have to consider doing work less well while you train someone new. Um, it's going to be making some hard decisions. I, um, I, I think that's like saying, you know, you don't, you can't not deposit your checks. You can't not deposit. You can't not deal with the billing. You can't. There's all these things that we make priority, but the reality is building the system itself, building the operation is just as important as the dollar part of it. And in fact, I would argue it's more important because the dollar part starts to go away the minute the operation doesn't work smoothly or at least reduces. And so and what would your advice be? I was going to say, like, I'm curious how you advise yeah. Listen, hey, on that. almost verbatim what you said, like you're never going to have more time. Yeah. And, and the sooner you do this, the more time it saves you. If yes. this save you an hour a day, every month that you wait on it is 30 more hours that you've lost. So sooner is better for all and of they're it. not all, I think we talk very broad and very high. And I think that that can also be really frustrating and overwhelming, right? Like when you're sitting in the trenches, 
my very first steps, outsource your mail. I know I, I think I've talked more about this mail on this call. You'll probably never talk about mail this much ever again, Jordan. Well, you has E in front of it, but we talk about it all yeah. the time. <laughs> so mail, just like e-filing, mail is, is a whole thing. And if you're a solo, absolutely get someone to handle your mail right away. First thing, does that mean you're not going to have to go through every piece of mail? You're still going to have to go through it. But if you're not having to rip open the envelope and get to the mailbox and you're just focused on the calendaring of it and the review of it and those kind of things, even if you're a solo, start with your mail. Get rid of sending mail and incoming mail. Make sure you're e-faxing. I'm sure everybody's e-faxing. I will feel really sad if there's anybody listening to this who's still like hard faxing. Um get through those kind of like mail process, depositing checks, right? The things that you would hire a teenager or your mama's brother's sister's cousin to help out, whatever task you've thought about sending out to those kind of people, outsource those today. Those are the ones that are less likely to be super, um, a huge problem. Now, don't go with some cheap brand new mail service that you've never heard of that has no reviews and nobody's ever worked with because it's still your mail, right? Bet the provider. But um, start with those kind of things first and that will leave you a little breathing room to start focusing on, okay, I send out a whole lot of mail and now I've made that easier because I'm just uploading it instead of printing it and worrying about ink and all of those things. But can I automate? What's the highest volume? Can I automate that? I think when you start working from that piece, and I'm sure anyone who advises any firms in process improvement, you have a system that does some of the things that you need help with. Almost guaranteed you've got some technology sitting on your desktop that you haven't taken the time to learn, and you're just waiting to hire someone who's going to learn it for you and figure it all out. Um, my suggestion is you be very careful with that. Uh, just like you were trained poorly in law school to learn how to use those programs, every single staff member who's ever worked in a law firm was trained by one of you. Uh, most of them haven't had the real training. They're not getting certified in these programs. They don't understand the programs, so they're making it up as they go along. So if you want to delegate, start with making you faster and better at these technology programs. That's my second step, right? Outsource the admin and then get better at your own technology. And then you'll have some breathing space to hire someone new. And it's, it's amazing to me. So like we're on the Google suite for the law firm and the marketing company. I swear to you, every time I look for something, Google not has it, but has some new feature. You know, yes. like we just found out Google has Google chat, which is basically Google's version of Slack. And now we're like, well, do we move over? So now we're all in. <laughs> I've had that almost exact conversation like 15 other times. Like, oh, there's a whole Google task yeah. manager. Oh, there's a whole this, there's a whole that. It's just, it's crazy to me, the amount of technology that we're already paying for that addresses so many of the issues. Um, and and finding the ones that work for you, right? Um, you might hate Google chat and you might stick with Slack, right? That's okay. It's okay to not use a feature as long as you vetted it. Uh, we use Clio FileVine. We have a proprietary software. We've used needles in the past. Like we use an abnormally high tech stack for boring med record retrieval. Uh, and we do that because we've got it in $35. That's, that's gotta be our labor, our hard costs and our profits for one item. 
And so for our our firms that are contingency or flat fees, like you guys are in the best place to track and like improve and make more money. It's the hourly billing that, you know, it's a little different struggle, right? Which is why you're always going to focus on outsourcing whatever isn't your work um, first. But there's so many ways to just really dig into like, um, get the boring stuff, like the boring admin, the things you were never meant to do. They didn't teach you how to do it in law school. You should not be doing it. And I promise you there is a group doing it. Except for run your business. That they definitely yes. teach you in law school. Well, then I would argue you're not a lawyer. You're a, you're a small business owner, right? And so then you shouldn't be doing lawyer work either. Um, so obviously you've got to wear the different hats. So be a technician or be the, the small the small business owner, and then work to decide which one of those you want to outsource. Because I would say the same thing works. You might outsource your CFO work, right? You might outsource your COO work. Um, just depends on what you enjoy doing as that small business owner. Makes so much sense. All right. So I, I've got at least one more question, but because we're getting a little close to time, I wanted to see, is there anything else that you want to make sure that we cover that we haven't talked about yet? No, I think I love this conversation. I think we get really high and really low, right? Like we dig into some of the nitty gritty and we say like, hey, outsource your mail. But also we try to talk in those things. I think the biggest piece is like, just don't give up on the process itself and make sure you're giving all of these ideas priority. And that means not pushing it off on someone brand new you hire who also doesn't know what the heck they're doing. Um, we really want to see more priority being given to training of the staff as well, including on these ideas. So if you're going to push this kind of building of your operation down to them, then send them to the conferences, right? Send them to talk to Jordan, send them out in the world to learn about the legal tech instead of you so that they can become your expert for you. So I think that would be my one nugget that I maybe didn't get into. So I wanted, my question was very close to that. So when it comes to like the actual solution to this problem, whether it's outsourcing, whether it's automating, whether it's delegating, whether it's hiring, whatever, what guidance do you have for the firm owner on figuring out which of those is the right solution to whatever the prop, the major problem is? So obviously if you're a solo, so I think that there's like three answers. So solo, you need to figure out what you can work with, but also will help you grow. And what is the maybe least customizable, but most off the shelf, because you don't really have time to customize, okay? If you have some teams and you have teams that are doing this work and you are looking to improve their work, step one, let them do the research for you. They understand the work way better than you're going to. And so selling to you is not gonna help any because if you decide on the solution and it's for them, they cannot, um, and then implement it, like you might be losing the real needs. So make sure to at least give them the option of researching the options and then giving you their top two or three. And then that narrows down the work you spend checking it out and make sure it's going to meet their needs. Um, I think if you're a, a large firm, you know, that advice pretty much stays the same, right? Making sure that you have um, you're checking in regularly on the stuff you have, it can be a lot harder to switch in the larger spots, right? So a lot of times some bad tech or bad, I won't say bad, tech you've outgrown, 
right, or tech that no longer serves your need can be very difficult to transition. So making sure that you're checking in with your team, multiples of teams, right, to see how it's working. And so then I think it's about strategizing with your teams, regular check-ins with your teams on specifically, how is all of this tech working? How are these processes working? Where are you hating life? Same with the scribble pad. Give them the scribble pad and tell them you've got two weeks to tell me what's sucking all your time up and what just makes you want to pull your hair out. And then start focusing on that as where you make those improvements. And it's interesting because we're talking, you know, how little difference there is between the smaller and the larger firms. Here's the one one, here's the one thing that I would jump on that's probably counterintuitive. For the smaller firm, Oftentimes, it's better to spend more money on the outsourcing or the delegating because you don't have the time to train that little bit of difference. So if you've got Mm. the company that's, you know, $15 an hour for the VA, but they've gone through this process versus the one that's $12 an hour, you're probably better off spending a little bit more to save a little bit more of your time. Whereas at a larger firm, you might have enough people with enough extra bandwidth to really customize the need to a cheaper product or a cheaper service. I cannot wait to add this advice to my repertoire and then take credit for your brilliance, which I'm definitely going to do. I cannot stress enough how important I think that idea is because what you're actually paying for, I hear this all the time with outsourced paralegal services. Why should I pay an outsourced paralegal service 50 bucks an hour, right? When I can hire one at 25 or 30. Well, someone's doing your payroll for you. Someone's doing your training for you. Someone's doing your hiring for you. Someone's doing your managing for you. Someone's doing your regular, uh, someone's going to replace that person if they're sick or they're out. So what you're really paying for is not having to wear the small business hat for all the things that you would have to wear. So I think that is brilliant advice and I cannot stress enough for small firms paying more for those better outsourced options will save you tons of money in the long run. All right, so I wanna talk about our next episode. We're still gonna come back to Lori for the final of wisdom, the biggest takeaway, but I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna geek out about our next episode. We've got Carolyn Elephant coming on, the author of Solo by Choice, starter of myshingle.com. We're talking about personal satisfaction, innovation, and diversity. Oh my, three of Carolyn's favorite topics, <laughs> three of my favorite topics. That will be next Thursday, 11-3 at 1.45 Eastern. So that puts us at the one hour earlier than you watch this episode next Thursday. It is so tough with time zones. It is so <laughs> yes. I'm almost. I'm almost through it. Um, that being said though, Lori, I love the way that you phrase this. We've talked some of the high level picture stuff. We've given really specific individualized takeaways, but for anybody who's listened for the last 50 something minutes and remembers nothing that you said, except what you're going to say here, what would be the most important thing for them to take away the biggest nugget of wisdom to help more lawyers be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? Built for your team, either the team you have or the team you want to have. Everything you're doing, if you are planning on not being involved in the day-to-day, all day, every day, then stop building for you and build for the team. Um, It's the the reason why I spent August in Bali um, and I'll be in Belize and I'll be in Bali in December because the team has what they need because I built it for them so I don't have to. So biggest takeaway is that. And Carolyn is amazing. By the way, she's on the ABA Tech Show board this year. So 
I can't wait to see what she does. And for those of you who don't know, she's on TikTok and she has a great TikTok. Y'all should definitely tune into her TikTok. She's pretty awesome. There we go. We'll make sure, uh, I'll make sure to let you know, let her know you said nice things. Um, yes. I think not to go too de- deep into next week's episode, but seriously, you're going to want to join this. It, I think we hear so much of this like tech and innovation, but from people at larger firms, mm-hmm. as opposed to the solos, like it's really hard to find the fit for you because so many of these programs are looking for enterprise clients. Yeah. They're looking for a hundred person spot. So that's why I always love hearing what Carolyn has to share because it really is that thing that's the best bang for the buck for the smaller firm owner. So whether that's a cost thing, whether that's a specific product thing, it's just a very different perspective than we get from somebody who's like, I've got a thousand person firm and I think this is the best program ever. It's different. And this is, this is my advocate, my standing on my little soapbox and advocating for my peoples. Uh, we also need to start hearing from the actual people who've done that work, right? So Carolyn's built some amazing firms and she's going to share a ton. I know about mail because I've processed more mail than anybody listening to this podcast. I promise you, or this Facebook live. I've, I've, process more mail than the average bear. There are so many voices we need to bring to the forefront in terms of you, the staff, right? The people who are actually doing the work and like start bringing them into the fold more, both at our individual firm le- levels and across, you know, the legal tech famous space, as I like to call it, uh, because they are the ones who've learned how to like maneuver these things. So maybe my other nugget, if I can squeeze one more in, yeah, sure. listen to the people who do the work, um, make sure they're making the decisions with you, uh, not you making the decisions for them, especially if they're the ones doing the work. So I love it. Thank you so much for being with us today, Lori. Thank you to everybody who's watched and listened to this show. Hope to see you back next Thursday, 11, 3, PM with Carolyn will be a great episode or your money back. Obviously it's free, but <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll throw in the guarantee. With that, have a wonderful week, everybody. We will chat with you all soon.